Thank you, Joe, uh, for reading so well for us from John chapter 5. You might want to keep your Bibles open at John chapter 5 as we uh, look through this. I mentioned earlier, you know, welcome to visitors and, uh, and new people this morning. I forgot to really um, introduce uh, Alita. Is Alita here somewhere? Is, oh, here you are. She's, put, she's moved down the front into the front three rows. Which, so she's, Alita is a visitor, will be with us for the next few weeks a um, couple of months maybe, who's visiting from Canvey Island. She's in the process of discernment for ordination in the Church of England, and she's been told to come and have a look at a church that's not doing it right uh, so that she can learn uh, not uh, what not to do in her future ministry. But welcome, Elita. It's great to have you with us for the next few weeks. Okay, John chapter 5. Let's just uh, bow our heads in a word of prayer as we come to look at this passage this morning. Father, thank you so much, Lord that Jesus speaks not his words, but he speaks, Father, your words. And I pray now, Lord, that as uh, I speak this morning, they would not just be my words, but they would be words, Lord, that are truthful to you, so that you might speak to us, and that we might have life in the name of Jesus, and that all of us who have gone from death to life might praise your name. So speak to us now, we pray, through your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, So we're carrying on in our series in the Gospel of John. And uh, last week, Stephen Clipsham uh, masterfully preached his way through that story of um, the paralyzed man who Jesus healed. And um, he really helpfully showed us how Jesus, as he was doing this on the Sabbath, Uh, was not breaking rules, but was indeed bringing the Sabbath. Um, He was not breaking the rules, he was bringing the Sabbath. So we're going to continue in that same scene that Jesus explains furthermore about what he is doing in and through his ministry here. Um, Jesus says in verse 17, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too and working. Jesus is doing the same work as his father. I wonder how many of us here entered into the same career or job as either your mum or your dad. Anyone here entered into the same job as either your mum or your dad? Will, I know. Yes. Printers, fishermen. Anyone else? Anyone else a teacher because their parent was a teacher or something like that? Not many. I reckon a few generations ago, it would have been much more common to enter into the family business. In fact, I did a little bit of research. There's still the, the um, longest running business that has stayed in the family in this country is guess how many year, generations or how many years it's been going. Same family and same business. 500 years. 500 years. That is 25 generations of father and son or mother and daughter and all kept within the family. And guess what kind of business it is? Sorry? Fish and chips. All the way back to Henry VIII who liked a good cod and chips. Uh, They're called R.J. Balson and Son and they are butchers. It was going to either be bakers or butchers, wasn't it? ironmonger or something like that. That's right, butchers. 
father and son. They're called Balson and Son, and it's been going for many, many generations. And perhaps even when Jesus was a carpenter, maybe that was Joseph's business, and they went into it together like that. But now Jesus is saying, I'm in the family business of God, my Father. I'm in the family business of God, my Father. And this isn't something that Jesus just picked up after he was a teenager and he left school. This is something that Jesus has been involved with, doing his Father's work even before the creation of the world. And he delights in it. And he loves to do it. What is this work that he's been doing? Well, it's what Stephen preached about last week. It is about God bringing rest to his world. It's about God creating a world where there is no death or pain or sorrow, where everyone gets to enjoy the life of the Lord forever. But of course, in the early stages of the Bible, we know it all goes wrong, don't we? And we know the world is completely messed up. We don't have to convince you of that. But the work of God and the work of Jesus is to bring that Sabbath rest, that peace to all the world. And Jesus has been doing it for a very long time. There's this um, passage in Proverbs chapter 8 in the Old Testament that describes how God was creating the heavens and the earth and everything in it. Wonderful passage if you want to go back and look at it another time. And there the person who is speaking says, and it's, and it's the voice of the Son, it's the voice of Jesus, who says, even back then, when God was creating the heavens and the earth, I was the craftsman at your side, says the Lord, delighting in your work and delighting in your presence day after day. Jesus has been doing the work of the Father even at the creation of the world, the craftsman at the Father's side, making all things. They were a father and son business generations ago, millennia ago, right back to the foundations of the world. And Jesus says that not even the Sabbath is going to stop him from doing that work. Not even the Sabbath. I I don't know about you. Do you ever find it difficult to switch off from work? or from what you're doing. I had a sleepless night the other night thinking about all sorts of church things that I couldn't get off my mind and and I couldn't get to sleep. Or have you ever done that thing where you know you're supposed to be off, uh, but you, you hear a ping on your phone and you check your emails or do something silly like that and you get reeled into something you wish you hadn't? We find it difficult to, to rest from our work. But Jesus isn't, uh, in saying this, Jesus isn't a, a workaholic that should be, should be getting on with spending time with his loved ones and his family, but instead he's always at work. It's not that. It's that Jesus never tires of helping and serving those he loves. His father and his world. He never tires of thinking about you and me. He's always thinking about the things that we're worried about. He's always trying to consider all the problems that we're going through, and he wants to draw alongside all of us and bring Sabbath rest to us. So it's not that he just can't stop working. 
It's that he can't stop resting. He can't stop bringing the peace that only heaven can bring to our lives. It's a wonderful thing that Jesus delights in that. He never goes, do you know what? I just really can't deal with you lot today. I need to go and put my feet up in the Bahamas or whatever it is. And just maybe for a month, I'm not going to check my prayer app and what requests are coming in. I haven't got time for that needy person. Right? They're too needy, too much. I need to put my boundaries up. And we need to do that because we're limited. But his love abounds and abounds. And he's never too tired for you. It's what he wants to and longs to do. He loves his father's work. And that's the father's work too. So it's not just like, oh, well, God the father, he doesn't care too much. He's not too bothered. He's got his own thing going on. Jesus is the compassionate one. Jesus says he's only doing what he sees his father do. His father is deeply concerned about you and about me and about this world. Jesus is only doing what he sees his father doing, which is being concerned about this world. So what is this Sabbath? What is this work that Jesus is trying to do? Well, we saw it last week in this healing of this paralyzed man who had had a very difficult life and Jesus completely transforms his life. Um, Do go back and listen last week to Stephen's sermon on that. But then Jesus adds a bit more here in verse 19. He says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Verse 20, and what are these things? For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. What are these works? For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. The work of Jesus is to give life. To give life. Now that means, yes, it means about every time a baby is born kind of life. Jesus and God sustains and gives life to all creatures. That's true. The Bible is clear. We don't have life of our own. We receive it from God and he can take it away. But this word means more than that. It's not just about Jesus can give life and create animals and fish and humans. It's that Jesus can actually give us true and real spiritual life. Not just existing and having our hearts pumping, but give us true and real spiritual life. We kind of know the difference, don't we? You know when you're just plodding along in life and you just feel empty. And you probably know those other times where you suddenly just feel filled with life and joy, whether you've spent a day in someone's company that you know and love or, I don't know, enjoying something that you love to do. We know the difference. And it's actually a sad reality that we live in where I more and more encountering people who just feel very empty inside, that they're not really living. 
Well, Jesus says, I've come to give life. Not just life that will last for 60, 80, 100 years, but life that will last forever. Look at verse 24. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Have you ever thought of that before? What Jesus is saying, anyone who believes in Jesus crosses over from death to life. But you're like, well, Jesus, I'm already alive. What do you mean? I'm, uh, I'm not dead. But Jesus is saying very different. No, 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 I'm not talking about whether your heart is beating or not. I'm talking about a world that is broken, empty, and existing in darkness. It's spiritually dead. And many people walk life like that. But he says, anyone who comes to me, I can give Sabbath rest, I can give eternal life, and I can raise you from death to life, the life of God. So we see Jesus do healings, we see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, but we also see that he will come to also give resurrection life to all the world one day. Jesus is doing the work of the Father, which means giving life. Secondly, we see in here that Jesus is doing the work of the Father, which is all about also judgment. Judgment. Do we see that uh, in verse 24? Well, I'll go from verse 22. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. And then if you look at verse 28, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear the voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. Or verse 26, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. The work of the Father is also to judge. And so he's given this work also to his Son to judge the world and everyone in it. It's a difficult thought, that, isn't it? We don't like to think about judgment. But the Bible actually says judgment is good news. It's a good thing. That there is someone who is wise enough and just enough to sort out all the rights and wrongs that have ever gone on in this world. you imagine trying to do that? It's actually quite difficult. I've even found if there's a dispute between two people... I've often found it's actually very difficult to get to the bottom of it. Have you ever seen that? Because you've got two stories from two different people and you can see both angles and both are plausible. And I'm like, I don't know what to do here. I can't see what's going on in in their life and I can't quite see what's going on. I'm sure they're both trying to be honest to the situation. Incredibly difficult to make a judgment, even on something quite simple. Like what pair of socks to put on in the morning. (laughs) Judgment can be really hard. But there is one, God is saying, that is able 
to judge everything wisely, fairly, and justly. And that's his son. That's the work of God alone. So when Jesus says, I've come to judge, he is making that claim that I am the divine son of God, because that's the work of the Father. And it's really reassuring that it is Jesus who's going to be doing that. Because we know through the Gospels that he's full of mercy and compassion, slow to anger, abounding in love, and that he longs to save us and help us and that he's on our side. Okay. The father trusts the son to do this work. Isn't that the case? So you wouldn't, if you're in that father and son business or mother and daughter business or whatever that family business is, it, you're going to at some point have to give over that business to them, aren't you? And you want to know that that person, that son or daughter, is well trained in it, does it just the right way, is highly competent, but is also trustworthy. Those are the key things. And we see it here in verse 30. Look at verse 30 for a second. Why does... Why is God the Father so confident to go, look, I don't need to do that. I don't need to do the judging. I don't need to do the giving of life. My son can do that. He's more than able. Because look at verse 30. By myself, Jesus says, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me but him who sent me. Jesus is incredibly humble here, isn't he? He says, I'm not going to do it my way. In fact, Jesus is saying, I don't know what to do. I'm going to learn from my father. Did you see that when he says, by myself I can do nothing, I judge only as I hear. He spends time with his father learning these things. And then he says he's not learning the family business so that he can make lots of money and gain lots of power and influence. He says no, he does it to seek not to please himself, but to please God his Father. He's humble. I, um, I wonder who in your life you would trust with the most important and precious things in your life. Who would you trust? Well, maybe with your money you would trust a bank. Maybe. Well, it's at least that I used to keep it under my mattress and I thought, That's, I'm not as trustworthy with my money. I'll, I better give it with the bank because they've got big safes and all of that. What about your health? Who would you trust your health to? Maybe a good doctor. What about your own children? Who would you trust your children with? When I do um, baptisms at this church uh, for children, one of the uh, questions is, um, who are the godparents going to be? of this child. Maybe you yourself have got godparents. And I always say to the person, choose godparents that you would trust with your children if something were to happen to you. And then you go, ooh, I better scratch that last one off then. <laughs> Not sure I would do that. Because there are very few people you would go, okay, yes, yes. I'm confident enough that they could raise my children. Who would you trust your eternal soul to? Who would you trust your soul to that would look after it, not lose it, raise it to eternal life? The list is very short then. 
And equally, who can God the Father trust to run the world on his behalf? And God the Father says, there's only one. There's only one. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus has proven himself trustworthy all the way through the Gospels. He proved himself worthy and trustworthy of this responsibility, even at the creation of the world where he did a great job there. And then Jesus, faithfully and trustworthy, when his father sent him and said, son, you need to go into the world. Jesus did it, and he was born of the Virgin Mary. And then when the father said, look, look, son, there's plenty of people hurting. There's plenty of people in need. And Jesus says, I'll I'll help them. And off he goes. And then when the father says, look, it needs more than that. These people are desperately dying. They're dying and they're going into the grave and they're lost. Who will go to the grave to find them and recover them and rescue them? And Jesus says, well, I'll do that. I'll do that. And we faithfully see him do that, don't we? And then when God the Father says, well, okay, but then who after is rescued? Who's going to love these people? Who's going to lead these people? Who's going to look up? Who's going to rule these people? And Jesus says, well, I'll do that. And he does that faithfully and well. And so when God the Father finally says, well, who is going to judge the world? Who is going to put right every wrong? And who is going to make sure every wrong is punished? Of course, the Father then can say, Jesus, you can do that. I'm just going to finish with this thought. I grew up, um, I grew up in the uh, countryside, and uh, we were lucky enough to have a large garden. And uh, my father used to do a lot of work in the garden, gardening and, and uh, all, all sorts of other things. And we had this incredible shed in the garden. And you could go into this shed and there was virtually every tool or appliance or gardening thing you could think of. Can you picture it? So there were rakes and spades, there were saws, there were lawnmowers, there was even a ride on lawnmower. How cool is that? And then there were things like axes and there were things like even strimmers. Do you know a strimmer where you strim the grass? And at the top of all the cool things in there was a chainsaw. How awesome is that? Right. And as a boy, you would go in there and you'd be like, wow, I've hit the jackpot. Um, Where are the keys to the mower? All of that sort of thing. But my dad, as a wise man that he was, would start me off with a rake and say, son, look, here's a rake. If you can master the rake, maybe we'll move on. And so I would do a lot of raking. As he would do all the cool stuff, I would do the raking. And then uh, as I became trustworthy and learnt from my father that one, he might upgrade me to a pair of scissors, something like that, <laughs> to trim the hedge. All right, son, you've done okay with that. And uh, then I might get the push mower. And, you know, you've got to know the buttons, you've got to know how to maintain it and all that. So I learned all that and did the push mower. Then I got the ride-on. How cool is that too? The ride-on mower. Um, And then one day, you know, looking at the top shelves, what about the chainsaw, Dad? And you know what? I never made it to the chainsaw uh, because I think I was not quite responsible or skillful enough. Jesus, whatever the Father gives him to do, 
he says, Father, show me first. I want to do what I see you doing. And so the Father gives him something. And he doesn't do it for his own benefit. He does it to glorify his Father. And so the Father gives him more. And then he's trustworthy with that. And he learns just how the Father does it. All the way up into how to speak a word. Rise. And the dead rise. Jesus goes even further to when God says, okay, look at the world and separate it into all that is good and wrong. And Jesus can do that. He's gone through every level you could possibly. He's given all the power of God, all the things you think. I'm not giving that to a child. I'm not giving that to Tom. I'm not going to give that to you lot. You can't wield that kind of power, but Jesus can. Isn't that amazing? And so today you can give him your soul. You can give him your life. Many Christians... Well, actually, as we begin our Christian journey, wherever you're at on your Christian journey, God the Father wants to show you things. He wants to have you grow and give you things that he can trust you with, that you can bring life and joy and hope to others. As Christians, sometimes we want to head straight for the big stuff. Lord, I want to raise the dead. I want to do all these crazy cool things that I see Jesus do. And, Jesus, and maybe God the Father is saying, look, here's a rake. Let's start you off with the rake. Can you be nice to people? Can you actually get out of your own head for a moment and consider there are other people in the world? In the world? <laughs> Let's start you off with the rake. And maybe one day you can speak life to people. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. I find that quite an exciting thing, that we are too part of the Father's work. And he longs to show us everything he has. And I want to do exactly what Jesus does in verse 30. I want to say, to that, and we're going to end with this prayer. It's a kind of prayer like saying this. Father, I am utterly rubbish at life. I don't know a thing. I don't even know how to mop the floor. But could you show me? And then, Lord, can you give me a heart that doesn't say, wow, look at me, but a heart that says, wow, I want to bring glory to you, my Father, and to Jesus, my Savior. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus is worthy Thank you that Jesus is able to handle life and death and eternal life. Thank you that he is competent to judge the world. Thank you that he and only he can be trusted with bringing Sabbath rest to all creation and including me and us this morning. But Father, as we too are called as your children to grow in the things of life. Thank you, Father, that you long, just as you did with Jesus, to show us all the things that you have and do. Thank you that you invite us into the work, your work. 
But Lord, help us to be like Jesus. That first of all recognises that we don't know anything. That we need to watch and listen to you. And then we need to be the sorts of people that live to glorify your name. And as we do that, Lord, would you trust us with more and more. But help us also to recognise that might also be the way of the cross. The way of sacrifice. The way of love. But also the way of resurrection life. And so we give all our lives to you this morning, knowing that we are safe in your hands, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.